You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Good morning. Welcome to Austin Christian Fellowship. We want to welcome all our friends who are online, and I welcome all of you guys who are here this morning. My name is Julie Washington. If I haven't had the honor to meet you yet, I am the ACF Kids Pastor and the ACF Next Gen Pastor, and it has been my joy to serve here for almost 23 years now. So I'm so excited to be here this morning. I didn't wear my ACF Kids shirt, and I'm excited to be with you guys, um, bringing a message that I think God has specifically placed for every one of us for this time. So we are going to do a a Bible call. We're going to pass out some Bibles because we are about to jump into God's word this morning. So if you would like a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll bring you one. You can keep it. You can leave it on the chair after you leave today. But we want you guys to be in God's word. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture verses today. I hope you'll write them down. I hope you'll go home and read them this week and kind of let them soak into your heart. Um, But before we jump into all of that, I just want to start us off with prayer. God, I come to you this morning, and I thank you that your presence has already been here. Thank you for our sweet worship team who just ushered in your spirit um, and just invited you in. Thank you for those kids I can hear worshiping upstairs right now. Thank you that your spirit is with them too. And God, all I ask today is that you come and speak to us and open up our ears so that we can hear what you have to say to us. We're smart enough to know that might be different for every single one of us, God. But we believe that you speak and you move and you are powerful enough to bring a change in our hearts today that we are desperately needing. So I just pray that this morning you would speak your word into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this Lent season, as a church, we've been walking through a series called The Cost. And the cost has been marked by a verse found in Isaiah 53, verse 5. Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament that spends a good deal of his book talking about the coming Messiah that wouldn't come for many hundreds of years after he lived. And Isaiah, candidly, is one of my favorite people in the Bible. He goes through a lot. He says a lot, you guys. But in Isaiah 53, 5, we have focused on um, something very specific that he said about the Messiah, about Jesus who was to come. And this is what he said. I'm going to read it for you again. He said, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And in this series, as we've walked our way towards Easter, we have talked about the ways that Jesus's wounds have affected our lives. In the first uh, weekend, Pastor Will talked about how Jesus' wounds provided for our salvation. And the following weekend, Michelle Briggins talked about how Jesus' wounds provide for our healing. Last week, Will talked about how his wounds provide for our reconciliation, for us to be brought back together again with God as it was always meant to be. And so today, what we are going to talk about is that Jesus' wounds, Jesus' death on the cross, provides for our forgiveness, which to me, of all the miracles in the Bible, is the greatest miracle. It's the one we talk about the most, but I have come to believe that maybe it's the one we understand the least. 
and the one that we take to heart the least. Because it's easy to talk about Jesus' forgiveness, but I have found that it's real hard to live it. So before we jump all the way into forgiveness, listen, they invited the children's pastor. When you invite the children's pastor, that means they're going to do crazy things. And I'm here, so I can do whatever I want, right? So I have brought with me today a $10 bill. And I'm about to lay it on the front of this stage. And whoever would like to come get it, that $10 bill is yours. All you have to do is come up and take it. Oh, the tension. Who's going to do it? Anyone? This is not a trick. There's no, there's no snakes going to jump out if you take the $10 bill. Oh, oh, now we're have a race. This is what I was waiting for. Yes. I knew I could count on you, buddy. <laughs> okay, listen. We're going to come back to that. I'm not even going to tell you what that's about right now. We're coming back to it, okay? But good job. I knew one of the kids would do it because I do that with the kids and they never not do it, okay? <laughs> so, so we are going to talk about forgiveness. And one of the coolest things to me is that this month in ACF Kids, guess what the kids have been talking about all month? Forgiveness. And I love that because it just let me see forgiveness in so many different ways. So I thought as a treat for you guys, we would interview a few of our kids and ask them what forgiveness is. And our production team did an awesome job of capturing this. So we're going to check out a video from our kids. Forgiveness is when you just, when somebody wrongs you, you just don't let them, don't make it a big deal. Uh, don't make them pay. Don't like. Don't make. Don't seek revenge. Forgiveness is something that kind of like makes me feel like I actually matter, and I'm not like not people don't like people think I don't matter. But forgiveness, if someone forgets me, that shows me that they that they think they I matter. It's like whenever you do something wrong, it's the decision when some when you decide not to make the other person like do something, you just let it go and forgive them for what they did, and you know that it's wrong. And like um, there's this one time, and my sister, um, and it was. God forgive me most of all the time. Um, it feels amazing because I've done a lot of bad things and I just feel bad that I've done that. 
So I feel like it um, should, uh, like, sometimes I don't really think I should have that forgiveness, but it makes me feel good that, that I still get that forgiveness from God. It's hard for me to forgive people that, like, hurt me, um, hurt my feelings, or they say, like, mean words to me, or they call me names. People that are hard to forgive are, uh, I don't want to say any names, but, uh, like, when somebody be mean to your friend, then, uh, it also hurts you, and it, you just gotta move on. It's hard for me to forgive my sister, actually, um... He's done a lot of things that I don't really want to forgive her for doing. Um, and it's just really hard. Like, sometimes there's this one time where my sister wouldn't even give me back my pencil and I got mad at her, but I still forgave her for doing that. So I forgave her for the little things and a lot of the big things. You guys, kids will tell it like it is. Yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome. So we're going to talk about forgiveness. And you know what? Forgiveness is hard for kids, and forgiveness is hard for us too. And um, one of the things I love about this chapter in Isaiah 53 is Isaiah doesn't stop with verse 5 in his description of Jesus, of what his wounds would do for us. If you are still there, in verse 6, Isaiah says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of, his, of us all. You see, by the wounds and the death of Jesus, you and I receive forgiveness, because every bad thing, every bad thought, every mistake we've ever made has been laid onto Jesus' body as he was wounded and killed for us. And what I've come to believe that God has kind of laid on my heart as I studied forgiveness was that while we talk about forgiveness a lot, um, we don't really live in the forgiveness that God has given us. We don't really walk around in the freedom that forgiveness provides for us. And I know this because I see so many of us, including myself, walking around in shame, in regret, carrying around a backpack full of guilt over the things that we've done in the past, over the things we've said, over the mistakes we've made, whether it's with a friend or a coworker or a child or a spouse. We all have those things that we carry around. And though we know the forgiveness of Jesus is real, I think our failure is our ability to accept it and take it for ourselves and to live in it the way Christ called us to live in it. So that's what we're diving into today. And that's what I want you guys to open your hearts to this morning. The question of, am I living a life that is marked by the forgiveness of Jesus? Because we're going to talk about three things today that Jesus' wounds and death give to us through forgiveness. And the first is that Jesus' life and death on the cross provides for our forgiveness once and for all. I feel like that's a real simple statement and like we're all like, yeah, we know that. But I want us to really lean into that once and for all portion. Because what Jesus did on the cross, what his body endured on the cross, means that our forgiveness is taken care of. 
Will referenced last week that a lot of religions um, are spelled D-O, do. But that Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E, done. And you see, that's what Jesus did for us when he allowed his body to be beaten and tortured and hung on a cross and killed. He completed that forgiveness for us. He made it once and for all. In Romans 5, verses 6 through 8, Paul outlines to the church at Rome what Jesus did for them on the cross. I'm going to read that for you guys right now. Uh, Romans 5, 6, verses 6, 7, and 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the beautiful thing about Jesus is he didn't wait for you and I to come with our apologies in order to forgive us. I, I learned this verse as a very young girl, and the way I learned it was, while you were in the middle of committing a sin, Christ died for you. If you think about that in regards to a friend or a spouse or a child, I'm going to tell you, I'm a mother of three children. It's not easy to forgive them while they're in the middle of committing the sin. Sometimes I don't want to forgive them even when they're apologizing to me, right? But God sent Jesus to die for us while we are in the middle of sinning against him. He forgives us. You see, Jesus' death on the cross provides for your forgiveness once and for all. Now, this was shocking news to the people of the New Testament because they had been living in an Old Testament world. And in an Old Testament world, the only way to gain forgiveness was through sacrifice. And those sacrifices, the Bible tells us, took place every single day. In Exodus, they are commanded to offer a bull at the altar for sacrifice every day for the atonement of their sins. Can you imagine having to kill an animal every single day so that your sins might be forgiven? Because God designed the system so that if sin was committed, a blood sacrifice had to be made. That's how it started in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve sinned against God. God killed animals to make them skin for uh, their clothing. And, and from then on, the people were asked to sacrifice animals in order to atone for their sins. If you read about the Day of Atonement, which was a single day in the Jewish um, religion, and it's a, still a day that they celebrate. And what they would do is the priest would first have to cleanse himself and make himself ready. Then he would take a bull and he would sacrifice that bull for his own sins. Then he would take two goats, and he would sacrifice one goat for the sins of the people, and then he would take another goat, and he would lay his hands on that goat, and like ceremonially lay the sins of the people on that goat, and then they would send that goat off into the wilderness as a scapegoat. I love that picture because, man, it makes a beautiful picture of what God does with our sins. But what I don't love is the exhaustion of having to go back again and again and again for forgiveness. Because you see, God knew all along that the sacrifice of animals was a band-aid for the problem of sin that his people had. 
And he knew all along that what he would one day do is send the ultimate sacrifice in Jesus. And Jesus' wounds, his death on the cross, provided the ultimate sacrifice for us once and for all where we could say, done, right? Uh, If you'll turn to Hebrews in your Bibles, um, there's a beautiful passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verses one through 10. We're not gonna read it all today, but I would love for you to write it down and go home and read it this week. It's so good, you guys, it's so good. And it's talking all about how the law once told us that we had to sacrifice animals for our forgiveness, but that Jesus came to bring a new way. So I'm gonna focus on two verses for you. Verse, um, chapter 10, verses three and four, it says, in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. See, every time they brought those sacrifices, they were reminded of how far they had fallen short. And verse, says, verse four says, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. I underlined that in my Bible because I wanna remember that there's nothing I can do, me personally, to take away the sin that I've committed against God. And it goes on to say though in verse 10, it says this, by that will, the will of God, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. See, I didn't make up that first point. That point came from verse 10 in Hebrews 10. The sacrifice of Jesus' body provided for our sanctification, for our forgiveness once and for all. And so it's left to us to decide if we will believe in that or not, if we will live in that or not. Will we trust that the wounds and the death inflicted on Jesus Christ provides for our salvation once and for all? Or will we keep trying to take a ram back to the altar every day to make up for the sins that we've committed? It's on us to decide if we'll do that or not. Which leads me to our second point, which is it is our choice to accept forgiveness and live forgiven. You see, a few minutes ago, I laid a $10 bill on this stage, and I said, who wants to come get it? It's here for you. And you guys just sat there, scared, I guess, that I was gonna like trick you, but it wasn't a trick. And now Mr. Barron's owns that $10 bill. He's gonna go have him a hamburger after this or something, because he made the choice to walk up here and take it off the stage and put it in his pocket. He made the choice to accept it. It required an action. It required him to make a move. It required him to make a decision. And the forgiveness that Jesus offers us on the cross is laying here in front of us. But it requires a choice to be made by each one of us. A choice to accept it initially, and I would say also a choice to live in it every single day. Accepting it over and over, every time we mess up, every time we go wrong. Romans 8.1, again with Romans, Paul, he, he really lays it out in the book of Romans. Romans 8.1 says one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, hey, 
If you accept the forgiveness of Jesus, there is no condemnation for you ever again. But I have become convinced that instead of us living there is therefore now no condemnation, what we are actually living is there is therefore now less condemnation. We're like, he forgives me, but you know, there's a lot of stuff I do. There's a lot of things people don't see. There's a lot of thoughts that I have in my head, (laughs) right? And we live like a person who's been charged with murder. And instead of being announced not guilty by the judge, we've been charged with the lesser sentence of manslaughter. You see, those two people live very different lives. The guy who has been pronounced not guilty lives a life of freedom, complete and total freedom. But the man who has been charged with the lesser charge of manslaughter is still in prison. Are you still in prison? Do you know that Jesus has forgiven you and yet you live a life of less condemnation instead of no condemnation? In Romans, if you read the whole chapter eight of Romans, which I totally suggest that you do, you'll notice that chapter eight begins with this verse, there is therefore now no condemnation. And it ends with a verse that says, there is nothing that can separate us from Jesus Christ. And in the middle of chapter eight, what it says is, there is nothing that can defeat us in Jesus Christ. It goes on and on about how we are adopted as children, how we are heirs to the inheritance, how God is working every single thing out in our life, how he is interceding for our every need. So Romans 8 begins with no condemnation. It ends with no separation. And in the middle, it says you are not defeated. And what I think is that Jesus' wounds change our status. It changes who we are forever, once and for all. But it is our decision to accept it or reject it. And I don't know what status you came in here with today, whether it's a longtime believer, a new believer, a non-believer, but this message is for every single one of us because as I have read God's word, I have been reminded how often I live like I am less condemned. And I am not living in the freedom of no condemnation. Jesus has changed our status. We are no longer condemned, defeated, separated from him. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he said, oh no, no condemnation, no separation, no defeat. And he's got a $10 bill laying out for us. And all he wants us to do is come take it. All he wants you to do is say yes to the forgiveness that he offers you freely, to the freedom that he offers you. Let's live in freedom. Because here's what I've come to believe is that if every Christian in the world was walking around like they were really and truly forgiven, we would be living in a whole different world. It would change the world because it would change us. It would change the way we treat people. So I wanna encourage you to be thinking about something. As I challenge you to take that forgiveness, take it for yourself. I wanna encourage you to be thinking about that in a few weeks, the week after 
Easter, we are going to have Baptism Sunday here at ACF. And there's just going to be a slide on the screen behind me that gives you a website to go to where you can find out about baptism, you can sign up for baptism. Some of you guys have been waiting to get your life together before you get baptized. And it doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible, just in case you were wondering. Jesus says, forgiveness is for you. And that next step for you might be to get baptized and to proclaim it is for freedom that Christ has set me free. I am living in no condemnation. I am living in no separation. Amen. Okay? So take that step. Okay, and then finally, I want to say this. It would have been easy to say this at the beginning and spend the whole time on this, but I think it's too important that we live in our own forgiveness that Jesus offers us. But here's the thing. When we live forgiven, we will forgive. And something God said to me this week as I, as I thought about this was this. If there's someone that I am struggling to forgive, if there is something that I'm struggling to forgive, then maybe I haven't fully accepted the forgiveness that Christ has offered me. Because if I had accepted that ex forgiveness, I would freely forgive. That doesn't mean it would be easy, but I would do it. We're going to look at, real quickly, a parable um, in Matthew chapter 18. This is a story Jesus told to his disciples as they're walking along the road. They're, Jesus is trying to teach them a lot of things. It's found in Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. And, and the disciples have been talking with Jesus about how do we forgive those who have wronged us? And so in the middle of that discussion, Peter, always the one to come up with an idea, Peter says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? And Peter, he's been around Jesus for a while now, so he knows he can't give the normal answer. He's like, I, Jesus is going to up it. So I'm going to have to up it so that Jesus thinks I'm smart. So Peter says, the Jewish, the Jewish practice was that you must forgive three times, okay? So Peter thinks, I'm going to double that plus one. So Peter says, well, how many times should we forgive Jesus? Seven times. And Jesus says, no, Peter. I say to you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Basically, in the words of my fifth grader, Jesus says, infinity. Forgive infinity, Peter. <laughs> and so Jesus says, let me tell you a story to demonstrate what I'm talking about. Jesus says, there was a king. And this king decided that he needed to settle up his debts. So he began to bring in his servants who owed him money. And one servant came in that owed him, the Bible says, 10,000 talents. A talent, I found out, is 20 years of day wages. 20 years. So 10,000 talents, we're going to say, is a zillion dollars, okay? The servant owes the king one zillion dollars. And the king says, I would like to collect my money. And the servant says, oh, I can't, I can't pay you a zillion dollars. So the king says, I'm going to sell you, your wife, your children, everything you have to pay part of your debt, which was a very common practice back then. And so the servant falls on his knees and he begins to plead with the king. And he says, please, please give me time and I'll pay you back everything. I mean, he's not paying him back a zillion dollars, but it's like us, right? We're like, please God, I'll make it up to you. I'll pay you back. And so the king has pity on him, the Bible says. 
And the king says to the servant, your debt is forgiven, you're free. He forgives him one zillion dollars. And it's at this point in Jesus' story that I want the servant to be like, thank you, thank you, thank you, and be so grateful. But see, that's not the story Jesus told. Jesus says that as soon as his debt had been forgiven, that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, a couple thousand dollars, okay? And this is what he does. He seizes that servant, he chokes him, and he says, pay me what you owe. And the fellow servant falls down on his knees, just as the first servant had done, and pleads with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. But the first servant refuses, and he throws the second servant into jail. Well, all the other servants are watching this take place, Jesus says. And they go back to the king, and they report what the first servant has done. And the king is greatly distressed. And he brings the first servant back in and he says this, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And it says in his anger, the king delivered him over to the jailers. There's a lot of applications you can make in that story. But here's what I want you to think about. You and I, are the servant who have been forgiven one zillion dollars. The king has forgiven us a debt we cannot pay. The wounds and the death on Jesus' body made a way for you and I to have forgiveness that we could never obtain on our own. And at the moment that that debt is forgiven, we have a choice to make. Will we live in that forgiveness and go out and forgive those who owe us pennies? Or will we take that forgiveness and go out and choke the life out of the people who owe us something? That servant made that choice. And in the end, where was he? In prison. Because when you do not accept the forgiveness of God, you put yourself in prison. You live in prison. You are not a captive set free. You are a prisoner to your own unforgiveness. And so in order to fully accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers us, we have to live forgiven and forgive those around us. We have to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. And I think we fail so often, I fail so often to extend forgiveness because I am not living with the reminder of the forgiveness that Christ has offered to me. I don't live in a place of gratefulness, remembering I owed one zillion dollars. And Jesus said, it's done, your debt is paid. And I wanna ask you how you're living. Are you living grateful for the forgiveness you've been given, so grateful that you're willing to forgive those who have hurt you? So grateful that you're willing to allow it to change the way you do everything in your life. I read a story as I was studying forgiveness, um, and I had heard the story before, but it was a really good reminder. Um, Many of you know the story of Corey Timboom, who was imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp because she and her sister helped hide Jews during World War II. 
And um, she and her sister were imprisoned in Ravensbrück concentration camp. And her sister Betsy died there. She watched her sister Betsy die. And after they were released from the camp and Corey survived, um, Corey became a speaker and a teacher. And one of the messages that she often brought was the message of forgiveness. And so in 1947, Corey tells a story of how she traveled from Holland to Munich, Germany, to a war-torn church. And she preached a message about forgiveness, about how God takes our sins and he tosses them to the bottom of the sea. And she says at the end of that message, she said usually no one in Germany spoke after one of her messages. But at the end of this message, she looks up and she sees a man coming towards her. And immediately she recognizes him. He was a guard at Ravensbrück. And he comes towards her and she starts to fumble in her purse and, and starts to worry what will happen. And she says the man walks up towards her and she realizes that he doesn't recognize her. But she recognizes him. She sees her sister dying, sin, starving to death. And she sees this man, not in his brown coat as he is in front of her, but in his Nazi uniform with his leather whip that he carried every day. And the man comes to her and he sticks out his hand and he says, oh, that was a wonderful message. Thank you for your message. He said, how good it is to know that as you say, our sins have been thrown into the bottom of the sea. She realizes he does not recognize her at all. And she's, he says, you know, I w you mentioned Ravensbrook in your, in your talk. He said, I was a guard at Ravensbrook. He said, but since that time, I have become a Christian. And he said, it is so good to know that God has forgiven me for the many cruel things that I did while I was there. And then he looks her in the eye and he says, but I would like to know if you forgive me. And Corey Ten Boom says in that moment, she thinks, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, Jesus. I can't do it. And she said, but I remembered that Jesus had forgiven me for my many sins. And so she said, I prayed, Jesus, all I can do is stick my hand out. You have to do the rest. And so she, she says she forced herself to stick her hand out to this man. And she said the craziest thing happened when she stuck her hand out, she said she felt the power of God's spirit move through her arm all the way down her hand. And as she grasped that man's hand, she called out, I forgive you, brother. I forgive you with all my heart. I mean, I could almost not tell that story without crying. Because what Corey Ten Boom knew was that God's forgiveness for her was the same forgiveness that he gave this guard. And that it was the forgiveness that God had given to her that allowed her to forgive this man. It wasn't because what he had done was right. It wasn't because it was going to be easy. And in fact, she says, I struggled with forgiveness for the rest of my life. It was still hard every time. But she said, what I always remembered was the great debt that Christ had forgiven me. And so I must also forgive. So I just want us to take a minute to think about the great debt that Christ has forgiven us. I want you to just sit in that for a second. And I'm gonna give you a chance to do that. Um, they're gonna play some instrumental behind us. 
they're gonna put us uh, a prayer up on the screen. And I'm gonna lead you through this prayer and I'm gonna ask you during this prayer that as you say these words, you breathe in and you breathe out because I would like you to slow your mind down enough to really hear what God is saying to you. As you breathe in, I want us to say, by your wounds. And as we breathe out, I want us to say, I am forgiven. So if you'll close your eyes with me, we're gonna do that together. By your wounds, I am forgiven. Again, by your wounds, I am forgiven. Accept his forgiveness. By your wounds, I am forgiven. And then we're gonna follow that with this. Jesus, you forgive me, I will forgive. Jesus forgave me, I will forgive. Jesus forgave me, I will forgive. I hope you'll take those words with you this week. We're gonna sing a song called Wonderful, Merciful Savior because that is what Jesus is. He is the merciful savior that has forgiven us one zillion dollars. And I am just opening up this altar for you guys. I'm opening up your chairs. This is a holy place. Our prayer partners will be up here if you want someone to pray over you. Um, If you just wanna come down and just kneel before the Father. But I implore you today, to say yes to the forgiveness that Jesus has died to offer you. To not leave here without saying yes and accepting the forgiveness that he has brought you.